You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back to another shift on the Geek's (laughs) Watch. I am your host, Mitch. Welcome, one and all. Man, Mitch, your voice changed. I guess that means makes me Steven. Yeah. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks. We can't do this the yes, whole episode. The, this is the the newest shift on the Geeks Watch. We are back talking about season two of the Umbrella Academy on Netflix, episodes five and six. This is the midway point of the season, folks. Uh, how's everybody feeling about it? Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for it other was people. A lot. It was a lot. Okay. It was a lot to take in. It was a lot. It was good. I was very happy. We are going to have a lot to discuss then, I assume, when we get to that <laughs> point. But first, we have to get into our week's watch. So, Elizabeth, what have you been watching this week? So, I've been having a very exciting week's watch. Mm. Uh, my week's watch has been occurring. It's still occurring, actually, right now. As we record. I am missing the keynote address for this evening. I've been watching the DNC National Convention. It's an interesting uh, one this year. <laughs> it is interesting. So it's gone entirely virtual this year due to COVID. So it's, what I've enjoyed about it is because it's entirely virtual and it's very timed out, I'm actually getting to see more of the speeches than I do typically because the newscast commentators aren't cutting in constantly. There are designated breaks, so they're getting to do their commentary at designated times, which means I get to see more of what's going on. For instance, last night, we, I actually got to see the entire roll call, which typically, I mean, that's where they usually cut to something else because they're like, ah, nobody wants to listen to the roll call. It did cause some issues, and I know that, you know, listening to my other news stuff later on, when uh, AOC did the second seconding of the nomination for Bernie Sanders, they weren't, they hadn't been very clear about the shift that they were going from speeches to roll call. And so for a second, I thought she had simply said the wrong name. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny that you think that she just said the wrong name. Well, everybody, all the other pundits or news outlets went with, She's going off script. <laughs> yeah. When it was in reality, no, she was she was right on script. She was exactly saying exactly what she needed to do because they were beginning the nominations and roll calls, which is exactly the way it was supposed to be, but they just were not very clear. Um, I did also really appreciate that each night has had a moderator that is comfortable in front of the camera 
typically when this is live, the moderators are just random DNC staffers. And this time they went out and got actual actresses and celebrities and said, here, you run the show because you know what you're doing, <laughs> which I definitely appreciate. The first night was Tracy Ellis Ross, who's right now big on Blackish. Yes. And, or no, the first night, no. I'm sorry, was Eva Longoria. Yes. The second night was Tracy Ellis uh, Ross. Yeah. I don't know who was third night. I haven't had a chance to go look. I know I recognize her, but that would require me to remember names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, no, overall, it's been an interesting watch, obviously. Very engaging and informative. Or as informative as these national conventions really can be. But overall, yeah. Okay. Any any other big, exciting moments in the DNC? I mean, he... Joe Biden got the the nomination. As Joe Biden got the nomination. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, nothing that has been the equivalent of the chair. Uh, there's oh. there haven't been any of those moments. Luckily, it's been scripted enough that <laughs> they haven't run into those issues. I did. Th- there was the one musical number from. Oh, I forget. Is it? Billy, I, the name of the person, I forget. But it oh, Billy like Porter. Yeah, that was that was some rough production. <laughs> yeah. A little bit like a like a Adult Swim show skit. <laughs> the production value hasn't necessarily been high, but nobody's gone. Nobody's speech has gone completely off the rails, mm-hmm. which happens well, every so often. As I say, other than other than Biden accepting, I feel like everybody's been pre-recorded. Is there been lives? Like, was the roll call live? Roll call was live. Okay. But roll AOC's call. was recorded. Uh, no, I believe it was live. I can't remember. They've been name. putting a lot of people in front of green screens, but no, um, Michelle Obama's speech was live. And Barack Obama's speech tonight was live. I assume Harris's speech is live. That's going on right now while we're recording this. So, in case you're wondering when we're recording this, everybody. Do you ever do you ever think that we'll ever get a another chair moment, Clint Eastwood chair moment? Oh yeah, no, we will definitely get another chair moment at some point. Probably not this year. Eventually, these aren't going to stay entirely virtual. Um, no. Whenever we get out of this pandemic, because it it just doesn't give you the same feel. I I do want to point out. I think we might get a chair moment because they've talked about who's going to be in the RNCs kind of thing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> They have the 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 gun people, the super rich NRA? people. That, was it? No, 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 no. 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 The, couple, the, the couple from St. Louis. Yeah. yeah, they're on it, and the kid who um who was at that protest with the Native Americans. Oh, creepy okay. grin. Right, right, right. So those guys yeah, are guaranteed to be there we, for that. The RNC might get a chair moment this year. I doubt it because I imagine that everything will be pre-approved. And those ones will likely be pre-recorded because the RNC isn't going to want. It's one thing when Clint Eastwood does it. It's another when somebody who doesn't have a name does it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't foresee a chair moment in 2016, either convention, but 2020, 2024. (laughs) This is 2020. This is 2020, 2024, 2028. Quite possibly. Okay. I've just decided the last four years haven't occurred. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Steven, what have you watched this week? So this week, um, the one that I would probably 
be the most likely to talk about, I think is actually going to be the one that John will talk about. So I'm going to leave that one for him. But I did watch Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Um, Ooh. That was very good. Um, as far as everything else for this week goes, um, just a, a little bit of nerdy news. The finale for Wonder Woman Dead Earth, Daniel Warren Johnson's comic, came out this week. So uh, I got to read that. Um, you'll get to hear more about me, Mitch, and Ian talking about that when we record the finale podcast for that one. Uh, but I also enjoyed that one. Uh, heads up, I don't think Mitch will. Uh, <laughs> other than that, um, Birds of Prey ended up on HBO, HBO Max, and I've been rewatching that. I love that movie. I, I mean, I, I didn't think it was a bad movie, but I could, I, I would never say I loved it. <laughs> I just like I thought about buying it on Blu-ray. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so that's me for this week uh okay so the the wonder woman dead earth it's four issues total <laughs> you, you, without giving anything away you don't do you feel it comes to a good conclusion not so much it they, they had a, a problem throughout where things moved super quickly uh-huh uh and there wasn't a lot of time like they're basically like these are the things that we want to tell you and show you and that's it and that's what they did i still love daniel warren johnson but this isn't superman american alien where i'm going to recommend it to people fair okay (laughs) i still like it for the art though jessica what did you watch this week um well not a lot (laughs) But I decided to teach myself how to watercolor, and while I was doing that, I watched season four, kind of watched, season four of Seven Deadly Sins anime on Netflix. Oh, boy. Which is, I don't know why I like this anime. (laughs) It has everything in it that I should hate. It has a lot of fan service. It has a lot of the main female characters and utter dits, but I just... I'm a sucker for fantasy anime, I guess, and there's a few, huh? Yeah, it is good visually. There's a few characters that are really interesting. They have some really thick backstory to these characters, like novels of backstory for these (laughs) characters. Um, But like, I wouldn't say I recommend it. It's more like a guilty pleasure. (laughs) Like, it's just (laughs) I shouldn't like this. Like, it literally one of the seven deadly sins is Merlin. And Merlin is a girl and she doesn't know how to wear clothes. Like, it's just literally like, it's only glue that keeps this outfit on her as she floats around. And like, That's seven deadly sins. Why do I like this? It's, it's a lot of panties jokes. It's a lot of big boobs. It's just it's a lot of everything I don't like about anime. But I just, I happen to like the general crazy plot and the general crazy mythological fairy tale background of all the characters so there we go (laughs) does it actually like does it actually involve the seven deadly sins or is it just a name it well the both the the um the main characters of it they are knights that were called the seven deadly sins and they represent a seven deadly sin so i think marlin is the boar sin i can't remember She's pride. I cannot remember exactly which one she is, but she doesn't know how to wear clothes. I would say lust. No, I don't know because lust is. I can't remember his name. Gothier. I yeah. It's just... you think they're going to give up the chance to have two horny people in this show, Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just I can't even remember all of that. I literally wasn't paying attention to this season. I just really like all the fight scenes in it, and I like the crazy twists that it occasionally has. And it's just like plot on top of plot, and it's it's like a soap opera anime in which like a character dies, come back to life. Oh, that character's evil. Oh no, they're not evil. They're possessed. Oh no, they're they are still kind of evil, but they're not possessed anymore. Oh no, they're good now. It's just like. <laughs> Did you get to watch Brand New Animal yet on Netflix? No. Ooh. I have not watched that. Okay. Is that another anime? Yeah, it's from Studio Trigger. They did Little Witch Academia, um, uh, Gurren Lagann back in the day. But yeah, it's it's that that's one I would definitely recommend. Is that the one that I see that is a lot like Beastars? Yes. Like it looks a lot like it? Okay. Yeah, it, yeah I, I've almost gone on it, but like because of Beastars, I had yet to watch it yet because Beastars was just like, <laughs> there's, a like there's a lot in Beastars. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I could go through something. So like, I thought Beastars was going to be a simple one and it wasn't. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> Brand New Animal is very much that. It's a nice casual watch. And every once in a while you look up and you go, ooh, pink is pretty. Okay. That's <laughs> right. what I did the whole series. Okay, I'll good. Like I'll watch that one then. <laughs> yeah, that's, okay. that's about it. So Seven Daily Sins is on Netflix. It's uh, another anime option for you if you uh, are into that. John, <laughs> what did you want to talk about this week for your week? <laughs> All right. So I played catch up with uh, the rest of you guys. I finally got a hold of Vivarium and Palm Springs. Oh. Yes. And Ooh. I did also watch Lovecraft Country. Um. I really, really want to talk about that at a later point because this Damn it. show is. <laughs> <laughs> I would have done it. <laughs> All I want to say about it right now, just because it's very dense and I feel like it warrants its own discussion, um, it feels like the spiritual successor to uh, last year's Watchmen. Or was that this year? Whatever. I feel like that was this year. Yeah, it was the, the beginning <laughs> of this year. Yeah, it just it feels like it definitely has a very strong overlap but in a much different genre. Um, and I would say definitely more uh, raw in its accurate depiction of uh, the 1950s, uh, you know, segregated areas. I mean, the first episode is called Sundown, which refers to the sundown towns. Yeah. Now, uh, I didn't understand what that actually meant because I didn't, I don't, I guess I didn't know about that kind of law, Jim Crow law or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. Not anything on the books would have been that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it what is it's a under the, law? Yeah. What it is basically you if you're black outside of your home in in when the sun goes down you you get to get killed. Potentially. Well, yeah. it's basically it's like, like you asked for it. You, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so this definitely dives a lot into that. Uh it's uh it also kind of dives a little bit into kind of like the the green book situation where, you know, that you have a, you know, people who were actually trying to document what would be the safest routes and places that are friendly to colored folks. And it sounds almost so alien and so distant, but that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it really wasn't. It was really interesting when um, uh, I saw a modern corollary to that kind of thing. When I was looking up stuff for this, this place, this Thai restaurant, that's right by where I live. Uh, I brought up the Google Maps thing for for them, and on there there was a part where it had a little a little pride flag and said LGBT, LGBTQ uh, friendly. 
I had never mm-hmm. seen that stamp before. So yeah, Google's uh, trafficking in, in in making it safe for people to go to the certain places. Yeah, it's a like rainbow book. Yeah. Yep. Which confirms my theory that human beings just have the predisposition to be garbage throughout history. And, <laughs> you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, but like I said, I would like to dive into that at a later point, maybe if more of us watch it, because it's a, it, it's so far, it's only one episode and it was very interesting. It's HBO, uh, right? Yes. Correct. I'll try uh, to watch it. Episode one just premiered. Uh, so the two that I do want to talk about, so I want to start with Vivarium. <laughs> <laughs> so how you feel <laughs> I didn't hate this movie it had a lot of interesting potential <laughs> well no don't get me wrong I feel like the screenplay was a bit of a mess yes it was definitely it was a bit unstructured but I love the idea that they presented and especially at the end uh, when things get trippy I want to say mm-hmm. um when things just take like a really, uh, for an already strange premise and things go even weirder than that, I was like, whoa, this is actually really, really cool now. Um, and I I actually had to look into some more stuff about the movie and watch some YouTube video reviews and somebody that was talking about the director's other works. Apparently, he has a whole series of movies. He has like three or four other movies that are kind of in the same style. Um, they would be short films because other than yeah. this, he only has one feature length film. Yes. Yeah, so then it sounds like he's been trying to basically convey a similar message in a lot of his other works, his short films and other stuff. One and what in would particular, be? Um, message. I be- <laughs> the message. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, well, from, from what they were saying, and I kind of agree a little bit, uh, basically, the. Uh, the, the terminal rat race that we're in it's just in this existential you know continuation of you know eat sleep work and die basically <laughs> um i did want to throw in just for humorous purposes say that uh oh so i guess at some point uh the mormons start making regular people raise their children and wow! Only because the guy is just dressed in a white shirt with a black tie. It's like uh, right it's to me. Um, that would come off a lot funnier in context, but yeah. Was, <laughs> um, I mean, people would have had to have watched the movie for that joke to yeah. to land. Yes, I didn't even think sense. of that, but yeah, I guess. It, it, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love the ideas presented. Uh, just the visuals. Uh, I love how it's one of those movies where they don't explain anything of the weird stuff. You just kind of have to put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And that makes its own like meta story. You know, the fact that this kid brought home this like what looks like some kind of instruction manual and it's in some wacky language that looks like that one Pokemon from Gold and Silver. And like <laughs> he watches TV and uh, the it's like a continuously moving like barcode or like a QR code. Yep. He's obviously mm-hmm. being fed some kind of information. Um, and, and then, then the, he- I think what was probably the greatest part where I stopped whatever I was doing, like I might've been like flipping through my phone or something. And I just was like, okay, where is this going now? The scene where the little kid imitates who he, like the other person he met in this. Right. 
<laughs> I was like, what she just was surprised happened? it was scary? Um, I mean, it, it was, well, I guess it could be considered scary. Yeah. Uh, I was just like. Oh, the, her reaction was what pissed me off. Sorry. No. <laughs> I'm just yeah, going to But what really did it for me was the what somebody on YouTube called the Pennywise scene. When they attack oh. the, the sun or whatever that the, the creature is. Uh-huh. And he like flips out, starts crawling like an animal, and then pulls up the curb and goes under it. Yeah, like it was like just cloth. I was <laughs> like, "What the?" You know, and she follows, and it turns into like a slightly surreal version of the house. It's like thing like angles are slanted, and she slides down the floor, and she goes into what looks like two other versions of the house, but like they're different colors, and there's different people there, obviously, and they. It's not quite clear if they can see her. Like one of them, a, a crying woman, kind of sees her, but they don't. They can't communicate. And then she just kind of melts through the floor, and then she ends up back in the regular house. That whole sequence was amazing, and it reminded me of Silent Hills, the PT uh, playable teaser, because something exactly like that is the whole purpose of the game. Like the character in that game or that teaser essentially is in an endless loop of going down the same hallway. And then at some point, the, the colors in the room change. And at one, time, at one point, they're green. And another point, they're red, just like in here. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, they're doing something here. Like, I can't quite grasp it, but they're definitely going for something here. And then somebody uh, suggested that they could be in some kind of a virtual... Uh, I guess the term vivarium, I don't know if you guys talked about it before because I had to kind of yeah. skip that part of the conversation. But it basically means like an observation or like a, a little enclosure for um, living things. For yeah. living things. Yeah. Like like yeah. a fishbowl, basically, or terrarium. Right. And um, I was like, what if this? If somebody posits that this could be like a virtual vivarium where essentially nothing is real and that's the only way that you'd be able to pull off this infinite loop where even though they kept going in the same direction towards the sun, they still somehow end up, you know, right where they started and how she starts clipping through what could be these other uh, iterations or these other uh, simulations that she's not supposed to be in, which is why she's like out of sync or out of phase with them until she ends up in the one that is for her. I was like, oh, man, that is cool. There's there's some really cool ideas. There's no solid answers. And sometimes that can be really unsatisfying. I thought it was fine. I didn't care that much for Jesse Eisenberg. Um, and I did think I the ending was wasted. kind of weak. Yeah, but he produced the film. So I think this was some kind of, like I wouldn't say passion project, but definitely something that he was willing to put some of his own time and effort to you know, produce. I- I definitely feel that Jesse Eisenberg was playing a different character than he normally plays in this yeah. movie. Like he, he got to be a little bit more jockish, I guess is a way of doing of saying jockish? it. I feel like he was still an asshole. Definitely a douche. He wasn't an asshole, but he's, <laughs> he's not playing the, the awkward nerdy guy. I want to know how he ended up being a like landscaper in the groundskeeper like, for Ireland or whatever. Like that whole so he could have that line and about the bird in the tree. That's why he was a landscaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but and I mean, how how was he an American landscaper that just happened so, to be like living in Ireland or wherever this was? 
expat just decided to leave the country. Yeah, yeah after Nam, he was like, I gotta get out of here. After yeah. Nam. <laughs> that, is, that is looking like a viable option nowadays. Um, so, all in all, I want to say I, I give it like a 7 out of 10. Like, God. it wasn't great. But I like <laughs> some of the things that it shows. It wasn't a great movie, I'll give her that. Uh, Imogen Poots, however, like I want to see more stuff with her now because she was yeah, really she good. was really good. You should I check will out agree Green with Room. that. She was Green good. The writing sucked. What was that? You should watch Green Room if you haven't seen Green Room. Is that the one with Eli Roth? Uh, no, that would be oh, uh, that's Green Inferno. Yeah, the Green Room is Patrick Stewart as a neo-Nazi. Oh, interesting. Pat, oh, no, cool. both him and uh, Ian McKellen had played Nazis then. This is true. Uh, so I love that the fact that off of my suggesting to watch this, you have one person all the way at the bottom of the spectrum with, of hating <laughs> this movie and one person at the top with loving this movie or at least liking the movie very much. Um, and it, that's it brought up the discussion. So there we go. Your <laughs> other movie that you wanted to talk about, John, we'll get through real quick. Yes, Palm Springs. I finally got to watch it. This movie was just delightful. This was fantastic. Uh, just everything about it. I laughed out loud, literally. I did at least one official spit take because I actually had something in my mouth. <laughs> um, a few other times, if I had something in my mouth, it would have gone flying across the living room also. Um, there was just some humor that came unexpectedly. And to still be able to be surprised by something, especially that I know is like from the Lonely Island, I was just really pleasantly tickled by this i like the uh the idea that the woman just decides to be like well hell i'm gonna figure this out then and just does it <laughs> and learns you know like quantum mechanics and all this other stuff entanglement and string theory and the idea that there's one person stuck in the loop that hates the guy that got him into it so they just have this like roadrunner and the uh, coyote wily coyote kind of relationship was really interesting and funny um until and, he uh, crushed from the from the waist down and has to live in a hospital bed for so long that i thought that was hilarious oh my yeah just yeah. the idea that like the pain is real even if you still can reset it i'm like yeah that sounds like a, a fate worse than death in some cases um, i loved i also loved in that movie that andy zamberg's character has relived the same day over so many times that he can't even remember what his job was in the real world well thankfully i think it means he, he had detail. a dog though yeah yeah remember he had a dog now one unintentional bonus that i that really sold the movie for me and i mean i was already in i thought this movie was great i thought the dinosaur scene was a little weird and unexplained but i guess time loop stuff who knows timey whiny um i really really enjoyed the fact that the day after was my birthday. <laughs> and uh, that brought, I, I, and I mean, I kept remembering that because they say, oh, when, you know, uh, November 9th is keep keeping repeating over and over, the wedding, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until the end when you find out, okay, they finally broke the loop and the neighbors come in and say, like, oh, they come back November 10th. Yeah. And I was like, that's my birthday. <laughs> the Caprio point. <laughs> Also, fun fact, the Beauty and the Beast premiered on my birthday in uh, 1991. Nice. All right. I'll trade you. I have Star Wars on mine. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I have anything on mine. 
so Palm Springs is an original on Hulu and Vivarium you can get on Amazon Prime. Steven, now that you've heard uh John talk about Vivarium, are you gonna any any chance of you going going to give it a watch? I don't think I can at this point. If I do it, then we might end up in a stalemate. So I've got to not watch it. <laughs> we, we have an even number of people who've watched it. I, so I, I do apologize, Mitch, but I don't I think, think I can. What you have to do, Mitch, uh, because I really enjoyed your conversation with Rich about uh, the Vast of Night. you uh-huh. got to give him this one, and then he can be the, the final deciding factor. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, my week's watch was I also watched the Lovecraft Country, but we're not talking about that. So the, the movie that I actually wanted to talk about is a Netflix movie. I don't know if it's a Netflix original, but it's where I watch it. It's called The Night Clerk. It stars Ty, Ter- Ty Sheridan. Um, if you don't recognize the name, it's because he's a very bland Mayo kind of person. He is the star of Ready Player One and the new Cyclops in the X-Men movie. He's the most Five out of ten extra medium person. <laughs> exactly. And this, he doesn't do all that much better, but he does do a little bit more acting than he has been shown in these other other, th- other things that he's been in. Uh, he is the night clerk at a hotel, and he is also uh, Asperger's. Uh, he, as he, he, he's, he's, on he, he's on the spectrum. He's on the spectrum. And uh, with his inability to really socialize and recognize social cues. He puts cameras in people's hotel rooms to watch their reactions to things and mimic their conversations and then go over the conversation with himself to see that what he would say in in such situations. So very creepy. Uh, He happens to capture the, the murder of a woman in one of them. So at that point, he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. He goes and takes all the cameras out and uh, reports that this woman has been killed. And of course, the detective, played by John Leguizamo, uh, is constantly questioning him because why were you in this room? You were supposed to be off. You weren't supposed to be at work at this time. Like, there's no reason for you to have been in the room uh, and find this dead body. Uh, his mother is played by Helen Hunt, and I was surprised. Hello. I have not seen her in forever. Uh, and she has an interesting role of protectorate of him and also enabler of him. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Oh, and then, uh, also in the movie is Aria Armis. Is that how, is that her first name? The Anna. Anna yes. From Knives Out? Yeah, and uh, Joy from Blade Runner. And Joy from Blade Runner, yes. Uh, yes, she is also in the movie. Um, she is a person who is in the new hotel that he has to go work at because they had to remove him from the first hotel after he was the first to find a dead body. Um, <laughs> and she explains to him that she also had a uh, her, a younger brother that was on the spectrum and that she has a connection to him and then he kind of starts to make a relate a romantic relationship in his head with her. So I, I, I would have seen honestly, um, Anna de Armas having been in, Oh, uh, what is it? Uh, bad time, bad times at the El Royale. And then this has some kind of overlap with 
openings yeah. with Bad Times at the El Royale. Who was she in Bad Times? No, I could have seen her being in that. Like I, uh, I imagine yeah. she was up for something and then didn't because that uh-huh. would have been with the Rising Star. Yeah. But I don't know. Is this this is weird? That's a weird cast. You have two people who aren't in a lot of things with John Leguizamo and Helen Hunt. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Good movie though. Interesting movie. <laughs> so no. Yeah. No. No, I did not say it's a bad movie. I did not no, no, say no, you didn't say Bavarian was a bad movie. You said this it was is, interesting. You said the trailer was interesting. I did say the trailer was interesting. I don't. I don't think he watched it before you did. No, I did. No, he did. What? He said I the did. movie was interesting. Yeah, I said. And I said the trailer looks interesting. Oh no! But the trailer was literally all the good parts of the no, movie. No, no, no! I still say it's an interesting movie. It, it brings <laughs> up discussion. So, if you want to give that one a try, Jessica, you go right ahead. Oh well. I think I think Jessica should watch uh, uh, Under the Skin because that's also interesting. I could not get into that movie. It's oh. that's that, yeah. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that was my thought, Jessica. That one is a, is a lot like Vivarium. Yes, it is. So I would not, if, for you, would not probably want to watch that. See, but I mean, if you, it makes for an entertaining live tweet, is <laughs> it do for the tweets? <laughs> I think it will. You guys, you guys should be grouping your live tweets into uh, moments on Twitter so people can see those. Oh, you can do that. <laughs> I don't know how to Twitter. I just got one this year. I do believe it's. I don't know how to tweet, but I might be wrong. <laughs> I don't actually have Twitter, so. Okay. Hey, if Hodas can tweet. do it. I don't know. I I would say that's up for discussion about whether he's doing that well or not. <laughs> but anyway, there we'll was talk about Umbrella Academy. Yeah, well, <laughs> night, the Night Clerk is on Netflix, so if anybody wants to check it out, they can. <laughs> yes, let's get into also on Netflix, Umbrella Academy season two. Which episodes are we doing again? Episodes five and episode six. So uh, one of them. And the Light Supper. There you go. Take it away, John. So I have to say right off the bat that episode five has my favorite intro that this show has had so far in the last season and a half. The uh, introduction to Pogo, how he came into being with uh, Hargreaves and was essentially a space monkey. Yeah. All to the tune of Peter Schilling's Major Tom. Major Tom. Oh, it was, was great. great. I've had <laughs> that on so repeat great. since that episode. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, I think the the plot has officially thickened here. And we kind of now have some things in motion that cannot be undone. And I'm very curious to hear what everybody has to say about all of this. So, so Stephen, starting with you, even though you cheated and already saw a lot of this, uh, <laughs> what is your takeaway from these uh, two episodes that we just went through? Honestly, the, the, I loved these episodes in general. I agree with you. The opening, actually getting to see Pogo going through everything um, was wonderful. Uh, I do want to know what happened to all that serum that they used on Pogo. That seems handy. I feel I like that's they used, on Luther. they used on Luther. It's just that he yeah. it made him more ape, whereas the other one made Pogo more human. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll take thing. that one. So because like I middle ground. Yeah, because I I've never um my assumption from everything before for Luther was that it was essentially like they put this 
head onto this actual other body. But if it is caused by the serum, that would be an interesting one. Um, I don't know. Everything else, I, I don't want to go too into it. Like, I don't, I don't want to say too much. Like, like, um, like, I'll comment on the same things that you guys comment on for these ones, but I don't want to possibly drop any hints for the future. Stephen didn't actually watch the whole season. He stopped after episode yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I just stopped. I was like, I can't do this. I hate this show so much. <laughs> I tried with season one, and I tried with the comics, but not this. <laughs> just couldn't do it. <laughs> All right, Jessica. Valhalla and a light supper. Uh, I really liked these two episodes. They had a lot of good moments between the siblings that made them made me like them even more. Except for Luther, <laughs> I especially liked the dinner. Especially like the dinner where they're sitting with their father and they think they're over everything, and it's just nope, you're not. Like, I, I wish that hadn't been included with- in the trailer. Yeah, the the dinner. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. interesting because I never saw any of the promo material except yeah. for that intro scene that we yeah. discussed earlier. Like I, I was, stayed away from the trailers. Yeah, I also stayed away from the trailers and only watched the promo opening scene. So yeah, maybe that's I why I like the it. trailers for everything. So I have to watch all trailers. <laughs> <laughs> He's not bitter at all about this. No. Yeah, sorry, um, but no, I. I liked it. I especially liked um, the three in the hairdressing getting drunk and dancing. That mm-hmm. was great. It was, had a lot of great moments. I liked the fight scene to a skull version of bad guy between fives and evil daughter. I liked oh, I that. It. that was, it, <laughs> there was just a lot of <laughs> I do. I also have that song on my playlist on repeat too. Um, but I- you guys remember episode one? I was like, the soundtrack for this this whole season, phenomenal. Yeah, I'm probably gonna end up downloading the whole soundtrack because it's 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 great. The music choices that they're doing, the filming choices, the general choreography, the it's significantly better than the first season. It's ridiculously better than the first season. <laughs> so I just I'm feeling very happy at this point, and I I just want to keep on watching. So. <laughs> All right. Elizabeth, how about you? Um, I enjoyed a lot of the scenes, definitely the the hair dressing scene with Allison, Vanya, and Klaus was exceptional. The supper scene was heart wrenching. There were a couple of pieces where I was like, Oh, this isn't gonna turn out good. Um, when Diego tells Grace about the picture. Yeah. Oh, I just don't see how that is going to be any evidence to anything. Like, it's not like it has a date on it. Like, that you you have a picture of this guy. That's it. Look, he's on the grassy knoll. She's like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. <laughs> I, could see, I could see Hargreaves killing her to prevent her from doing anything. And once again, Diego is the cause of his mother's death. Oh, Damn. I mean, yeah, I, that's that's unfortunately where I see that one going. Um, and then when Klaus handed uh, Dave his dog tags, yeah. and we get the clue in that the timeline has been altered. Yeah, but I'm like, well, it was a little heart wrenching. Uh, 
that specific scene, I think you actually had suggested in the last time we talked about this, you suggested that he used the clout of his cult thing to yeah. convince him. And so I, I obviously at the time I was like, I don't think that's really what you want. <laughs> Cause he tried to do it here and that backfired real bad. Yes, but it's easier to not fuck things up if everybody can <laughs> just pass you off as a crazy cult leader. Yeah. Like you can still plant the seed without really messing things up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, there were some really great scenes. Obviously, the end of episode six was exactly the way it was going to go, but. Carl finding out about Sissy and Vanya is not going to end well for anybody. Oh, um, no. It's it's just, it's not going to end well. The Handler's triple-double-cross, <laughs> whatever this nonsense is, she very clearly is only interested in number one, uh, looking out for herself. I do find it interesting that She's using five to kill the board. And I do think that's going to backfire on her in ways she doesn't expect. But I'm intrigued to see where things are going. I've got lots of potential theories running around and how this is going to play out. I assume we'll get into that. Now, just as a a minor touch point, too... Uh, in this episode, or I believe it was episode five, no, six, uh, A Light Supper, we find out what the purpose of the ancient Greek was, because that was a question that you had brought up before. <laughs> it is, yes. And it was, it, well, yeah, and we actually, because we get, it touches in the intro in episode five with Pogo when Hargreaves is reading Homer to him in ancient Greek. And then five brings it full circle in episode six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's called continuity, so, folks. Which, which, um, gr- like, which uh, generation of trying to build a family do you think Hargreaves likes the most? <laughs> With Pogo, like, whatever, fake Grace, or the Umbrella Kids? Oh, definitely, definitely Pogo. Pogo and Grace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He definitely he has the most control over. Yeah. Well, I did. I was. I honestly think something is going to happen in this situation that kind of crushes Hargreaves to make him as cold as he is. Like, he's already cold, but he clearly has affections for Grace, the live Grace. And. Pogo was an unexpected addition that he is very fond of. But I think something is going to end Grace, obviously, because she's not around in the first season. And I think that's going to break him. I don't think he's capable of loving the Umbrella Academy. All right. What about you, Mitch? First, I get to ask, Stephen, uh, 
is the dancing in the hair salon the equivalent to the dancing in the first season, or are we going to get an actual whole group dance to a song scene? That's it. <laughs> That's lame. Yeah, it's not as good. It's not as good. Uh, two, I think the one of the biggest questions I have at the end of this two episodes is that uh, if I read the the piece of paper correctly that the handler gives to number five, the meeting, the board meeting is in 1982. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I believe so. How could it be in 1982 if the world comes to an end in 1965? Those events haven't come to bear. Multiple timelines. I, yeah. I mean, that's that's. I understand it's time travel and then things get timey wimey. I'm going to go ahead and say Umbrella Academy's time travel stuff makes even less sense than them trying to balance the time travel stuff in Avengers. <laughs> I was going to say, because like if you're following number five as he's the alpha in his timeline, he's already been to 1965, five days from now where the world comes to an end <laughs> in nuclear holocaust. There should not be anything after that unless he changes it. Yeah. No, it, it's not one to be picked apart for any re- good reason. However, if you take into <laughs> account the first season when he went past the point of the apocalypse and he's the only person that exists, the commission still exists outside of time. They could still go to uh, Earth 1982 and have a meeting, just not going to be anybody around. Yeah. There you go. It's not one to have make sense. They could, they probably are like, yep, logic. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we're gonna meet in 1982 um, Z, like because they just have like A to Z timelines. It's not one to try to assign okay. any real logic to. It's nothing that I should wrap my head around. Yeah, no, okay. shouldn't be spending time trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, there were a couple other questions and it was stuff that people had already brought. Oh, uh, obviously, I, I I guess I owe an apology to everybody on the podcast for last week because uh, Allison using her powers obviously not a good good idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She, she it's went a, a little. She went uh, a little too power hungry and sat there and let made that dude burn his own hand. Not that he didn't deserve it because yeah. he's a racist piece of crap, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's exactly not what um, her husband Ray, yeah, Ray wants, and not what she wanted originally. I, However, I was surprised that you just said, she just went in there and said, "Hey, people, I heard a rumor you stopped being racist. It'd be a good idea." But that's just <laughs> <laughs> if if you could do it in that one and having that like kind of like long term uh, application of the power. Yes, please. <laughs> well, I did find it interesting interesting that they portrayed it in this in the way that she said, uh, I heard a rumor that you shut your mouth and then he, he stopped talking. But then she there's a big pause and then she keeps uh, saying things for him to do of more, more, more. And she didn't have to start over like with the I heard a rumor you kept pouring coffee kind of thing. So where where is the long effect? Is the I heard a rumor part just a way for her to access it in her own brain? Is she like Jean Grey or Xavier and it just ha- is just a super telepath that could 
do things like that. And she just has a mental block in saying, having to say, I need, I heard a rumor. That's the one. It's, it's almost like how, uh, if you, want to compare it to X-Men, Xavier puts uh, barriers around Rogue's brain so that she can exist after she absorbs all those, all those uh, personalities. Yeah. I did think it was a bit... Okay, sorry, go ahead. It's all you. I'm going to say, think of it like in terms of Bioshock, the would you kindly, the trigger word that begins the process of you having there no more agency but similar so, idea spoiler john <laughs> for like a 20 year old game <laughs> it's still fantastic though oh it's so good it's so good <laughs> so, so yeah th- those are my thoughts uh as of this moment and we get into more more stuff i i definitely enjoyed uh these two episodes um and coming to a midpoint in the season like we said earlier uh, I'm excited to see where else we go. What, what oh, man, I feel so bad for Elliot. I I really feel oh, bad. Oh yeah. yeah. What yeah, one thing? What was I, that, John? John, what'd you say? Oh, I said no. They did him dirty. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, one thing that I I I didn't feel uh, an emotional weight to. Diego's scene with his dad where he where he starts to talk and Hargreaves dismisses him. I did not feel that emotional weight as much my first time watching it until I went back and rewatched season one and then came back to rewatch season two. I was going to say, yeah, that one actually hit me really hard, but maybe that's because I watched season one so soon before season two. Yeah. In, mm. in the season itself, I don't think it's driven home the kind of like um like how much he feels he has to prove even though they show that he feels like he has to prove a lot it doesn't feel like it's that kind of weight it feels like anytime anyone's like stop being crazy he's like no fuck you i'm gonna save kennedy it never it never felt like it was this other more grand thing except in the beginning when they talk about him in the counseling session you know at least to me, it didn't drive home until rewatching season one. Okay. Parker messed up those kids, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, now, did anybody think... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, the one thing I, I did think was interesting when, when Ben and Hargreaves are talking... Or, I'm sorry, not Ben. Uh, number five. Number five and Hargreaves are talking that uh, he's... Number five takes or takes a moment to say, "I'm older than you." In all, all actuality, we don't know that. Like, it does look like from 1965 to 2019, whenever the first season came out, like Hargreaves is aged. But as we saw in the one episode where he's on another planet, another dimension, whatever it is that he comes from, we have no idea how old he is. It looked like he was. They're on during the industrial age of you know coming to New York, so they, they don't know those things about him. Hargreaves is very, very old. So, like for him to say that, and then Hargreaves not to correct him, correct him, or even say like I'm older than you think, kind of thing. You know, I find that interesting. Hargreaves is used to having to hide his true identity. True, yeah, but Har- this is, Har- it's interesting. Hargreaves to me is. Um, 
a situation like he's the idea in motion of keep everything secret so no one knows what your real secrets are. Okay. Now, in these two episodes, we finally get a little bit more having to do with the Swedes, and we actually hear them speak for once. Yeah. And there is a Viking funeral for a foot. <laughs> I loved that fucking scene so much, guys. I wanted to talk about how much I love the Swedes <laughs> at this point, but could not. And everyone was like, oh, these guys are like, like trash throwaway characters or whatever. No, they are wonderful and pure and lovely. They're not wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> they are great characters. They are great written characters, yes. <laughs> I will agree there. I will not call them pure or lovely. Yeah. And one of them has my favorite line in the series. They're not one-dimensional. They're what? What'd you say, John? I said one of them gives what has to be my favorite line in the series so far, which is unharm my wiener. (laughs) (laughs) So, actually, now now that we're here, um, (laughs) this is the point in the series where all of the controversy comes from, Elizabeth. I did note... Um, two things for the two episodes yeah so did you feel anything I did not but I registered having had it brought to my attention I registered it for the mm-hmm. first time and then so I thought back onto it and she I mean the handler speaks in Yiddish yes um, in this season and the previous season and in the previous season and so I because the handler is who the handler is, mm-hmm. I get where that could come across. But, and so after I caught it, I was like, okay, now I've got to figure out what is it everybody's actually using them. Like, is it the fact that the handler who's trying to take over is speaking in Yiddish or is it something else? And a lot of the the tweets seem to in the our news articles all seem to discuss the fact that the commission is Jewish. And I'm like, nobody else speaks in Yiddish, mm-hmm. just the handler. Yeah. And she very is clearly antithetical to what the commission is trying to do. So I get it to a certain extent. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it or feel it Mm -hmm. because of the fact that I don't see the handler as the commission. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The handler is separate and apart from the commission. Um, So I think. Do you think anything for, um, like, so you obviously looked into some more things after the fact once this part registered. Um, Do you agree with, well, I, I shouldn't say, do you agree with, um, one of the things that people said for it was that the handler did speak. Uh, she spoke uh, Yiddish in this season and last season. And then in one of the episodes here, we saw Diego refer to the people that were trying to take over things as being lizard people. Yeah. Which feeds into some certain conspiracy theories, um, specific like racist ideologies. But I do agree with you in that they're separate entities. And the handler has also spoken Yiddish and several other languages on more than one occasion and was also create this this version of this the candler did not speak in Yiddish in the original comic this is a creation purely of the person who adapted this for TV yeah. and he is Jewish yeah I mean and and you know 
no two people are alike. So I could certainly understand why others would feel potentially offended or concerned by this, particularly with the climate. If we were maybe in a different political climate, it may not have registered as highly, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, but no, I personally did not because I do make those very concrete distinctions and I see the characters is very separate. And, you know, so I do note that nobody responds to her in Yiddish. Mm-hmm. The Swedes respond to her in Swedish. Um, and I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, um, Chacha and, um, Hazel, Hazel respond to her in English. Mm-hmm. So I think it's truly just, I mean, they understand her because I I'm gathering that everybody in the commission is well-trained in all languages, mm-hmm. but they do not respond to her in Yiddish, which I think is very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just yeah, check no, I did. I did register it this time around. I think because it was. I don't think it was that long in the first season. Well, you think it was just like one tiny phrase? I yeah, I do think it was just a couple of phrases to Hazel and Chacha. Because like I'm, I'm truly just trying to remember. Mm-hmm. But obviously, with the Swedes, it was a much longer conversation, so <laughs> it registered much more highly as to what was occurring. Because I don't necessarily always register. But, okay. but yeah, so that, that's the entirety of that one. There's no no more to that one than that. For okay. So I just wanted to get your opinion on that one as the only person who can really comment on that one in a potential <laughs> way. That's that's fair. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I, as, as, a, as someone of Jewish ancestry, do not share the same concerns as others have expressed, but I do understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So. Take us back in, John. Yeah. <laughs> Get off these. Well, <laughs> after that insight. Uh, so what do we have left now? So five is tasked because he didn't want to go after the, uh, the, the commission himself. He wanted to see if there was some alternative but Hargreaves didn't really give him anything useful to go by, so he's going to essentially make a deal with the devil. And Except, I think Hargreaves did give him something to go off of. He just wasn't willing to pay attention. Usually. <laughs> because, I mean, Hargreaves said a lot of things can change in a couple of seconds. Like, you don't need to jump hours, days, weeks, years. You can jump just a couple of seconds and change the outcome. If you could figure out when the apocalypse, you know, what causes the apocalypse, you could change the outcome. I, I do have somebody had the power to only jump for five seconds in the past. Galaxy Quest. Yes. Who That's had that Galaxy Quest? No, it no one has the, the ship had the power. I remember. But that's what okay. saved the day was being able to jump five seconds in the past. And I was like, why would that ever be useful? And it's literally the most. I love Galaxy Quest. I need to rewatch it. Movie. No. Oh, movie. <laughs> in, in this documentary about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, it, it was a good documentary as well. Um, for uh, For this, I don't. 
I understand and dislike the eternal like propping up of five that Hargreaves always does. Like five was his eternal favorite, even in the past. Like yeah. numbering the kids might have even been a calculated decision to make just five be motivated to try to be number one. Yeah. And it sucks. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I would definitely say because Diego's too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. obviously, that played into that a lot more than five. I think, I don't think five ever really felt like he needed to be the leader, mm-hmm. but he just knew that he was the smartest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he definitely gave him the most respect. Maybe he recognized, or maybe he was the only one of all of the other kids that bothered to remember the ancient Greeks. That's why I was like, oh, you're the one I want to talk to then. <laughs> I do think, honestly, that's a distinct possibility. Plus, he went through a bunch of training for um, the commission. Yeah. As I say, I think it's because right now, five is the most cold and calculating, mm-hmm. which is what Hargreaves is comfortable with. Yeah. You're a rational individual who can calculate the benefits and the costs of things without emotion. So that's what we're going to do. Well, you had... Diego just break down and cry and Luther <laughs> rip his shirt open. So yeah, the one that and Allison attack Klaus and Klaus get possessed by Ben. And- Which I think that's what we need to talk about. <laughs> the fact that there is now a new aspect to Klaus's power, which everybody loves Klaus. Like, yes, uh, Robert Sheehan is a great actor and charismatic and stuff, but like Klaus like literally could be helping out his brother more anytime and he constantly comes, he's not there oh ben didn't make it through the time travel i and love like, that moment very much but he's a dick for it like, a dick it has to try and jump into a body on its own and and possess now do you think that's a klaus thing or is it a ben thing or is it because of ben's powers and klaus's powers put together i think it's just klaus yeah. Just yeah. ben is wielding klaus's powers secondhand <laughs> Because Ben's done with his crap. I mean, he should be. <laughs> he really should be at this point. I feel so bad for Ben. Ben's like, I'm done. And we got to meet the 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 love interest for Ben. Yep. Don't know exactly how that plays out. Dead <laughs> <laughs> and all. Well, this possession could be helpful. <laughs> I still don't think Ben would be okay with that because that's essentially Klaus getting to, to be with her. <laughs> See, I have a theory about that. What if he just happened to, uh, or she caught his eye? And it's just a waiting game. She's going to die eventually. She'll be a ghost. They can be ghost bros. They just okay. fall over there. Live this half life together. <laughs> Could be. I mean, just, you're just not playing the long con. That's a very long con. That's a very long con. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. You could have her murdered. How could Ben have her murdered? I mean, he could murder her if Klaus is around. But I All mean, for love, love finds a way. <laughs> it's kind of somebody, look, I loved you so much that I killed you so that we could be together. I mean, that's oh, really okay. high on the creep scale. Yeah, yeah, I think that definitely like plays up the uh, the con part of the long con it <laughs> sounds like a, a tim burton movie yeah it's very, it's very gothic romance yeah. tim if you're listening to this don't do it just don't <laughs> please please don't 
Do it. Yeah, there will be a bunch of people that would still like it. I'll be one of your co-writers. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh-uh. I like hey, that now. Go this is my shot. <laughs> we can find you a better shot. I mean, that's kind of the storyline in that movie with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence where they're in outer space, if anybody watched it. Passengers? Passengers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that film would have been so much better if you didn't know that he did that, though. Yeah. That's how I would have felt it. It's okay for him to do it. Oh, it's not okay for him to do it. It's horribly. Yeah, not good. Problematic. But like, if you didn't know that he did it intentionally, and it just she just woke up, and you're like, whoa, what? That would have been such a better movie. <laughs> but it had Pratt in it. Okay. Hollywood sign me. Give us my contract, John. Yeah. It, right. Like, do do we have any remaining plot points to go over for this one? I believe that is everything that we have right now. I also wanted to be in agreement that I didn't think that this season's, if that's the only one we get, that this one was any better than the first season. As a matter of fact, I felt it was kind of lacking because A, you only had three of the siblings involved, and B, uh, Ellen Page is such a bad dancer. (laughs) (laughs) That's the point. That's the answer. It's it's just the person very... that's the most in tune with music is the the worst dancer. That's that's yeah. irony on another level. <laughs> I mean, she definitely okay. seems to be. Uh, well, just, you know, I think all of her rhythm is in her fingers only. <laughs> I guess so. Just because you can hear and repeat rhythm doesn't mean that you can make your body do the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she loves music. I think she chose music just to impress her dad, which we saw. Uh, and I, it's like Data playing violin, like. Technically perfect, no soul. Yeah, I, I'm not even talking about playing music. I'm talking like she literally takes sound waves and turns it into kinetic energy and blows things up. Like she's in tune with sound. I mean, I get that, but not every great dancer can sing. Most of them are. I'm not bad saying that she has to. The opposite I'm, doesn't happen. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I don't think you're wrong, Mitch. I don't think you're wrong in this one at all. Okay. I do. <laughs> so all in all, it sounds like we're all pretty jazzed to see where this goes and what other wacky, random, unexpected things can be presented to us. I I don't know if anything will top the surprise of Viking Foot Funeral and uh, Space Monkey Pogo. I feel like there's <laughs> no. something up their sleeve that is still going to get me. I was going to say, yeah, I wouldn't write it off. <laughs> what is? Go ahead, Steven. No, you, you got yours was more passionate. You were starting into a fiery one. Yeah, I just want to know what, what does everybody think the handler's in game is like? Does she just want to be the new leader of the commission? Like, I don't understand just because she got demoted, like, now she has it out to destroy the whole thing. Yeah, she's scorned. Yeah, she's That's a woman's okay. But when she gets done, when mm-hmm. in the end game, when she now as the new board of directors for the the commission, how is she going to run it? Is she just going to send people back to do whatever she wants or is she? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think she, she doesn't care about the after, after part. She just wants to correct the part that she's pissed off about. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I'm saying. Is is it going to go back to protecting the timeline? when she's the new leader or the new in charge, or is it more just shape it in the way that I want it now? 
It's going to be protect the timeline to the extent that it benefits me. Yes. Yeah, I'll take that one. Yeah. What kind of benefits do you get, though? Like, she, it's not like she needs money. She doesn't need, you know, a place to live. She didn't need the patio set that she won, she won at Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, she wants time and life in general to be her plaything. Yeah. She is certifiably insane. Yes. I mean, in a cast of characters that are all sociopaths, she's the queen. She's the queen bee. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Steven. What did you want to say? No, the only thing I was going to say is that the scene with the sweets, the song choice. (laughs) Hello? Yeah. Swedish version. Hello, Swedish. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I couldn't couldn't have asked for more. It was was delicious. (laughs) I'm going to be very excited for the five double cross when he gets ready to go kill the commission. And he's going to basically try and double cross the handler and get the commission to make a deal with him. I'm, I'm sure that will at least be something he throws on the board because as much as he's playing catch up to the handler, because it seems like she's always a step ahead. He's trying to be a step ahead. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just wonder how five is expected to take out the the whole like top brass of this organization. I mean, teleportation's a pretty kick-ass power. I mean, look look at him fighting Lila. She had time travel on her hands as the handler kept moving her from place to place, and he still ended up winning that fight. Is what, that what the, was happening there? I, yeah. It had to have been what was happening there. One thing that was super interesting was, uh, well, that is super interesting, is that we see people who work for the commission. Not all of those people have abilities by any stretch. They just seem to be people besides would, the weird fish dude. Well, I would say that definitely the people like the, the people they send back through time all have like at least enhanced strength. Hazel, Chacha and the Swedes all had enhanced strength. Now and do you think that's just from training? No, yeah. you don't punch a person across a room with just training. Yeah, they were pretty formidable. <laughs> like, they were taking on Luther and like yeah. losing their ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So unless that's just comic book rules, like they've just decided to up them for what for no reason, I would mm-hmm. say that they at least had enhanced strength. Uh, see, and I just figure it's comic book rules. I figure yeah. that they're all selected for their personalities and skill sets, but not necessarily for enhanced powers. Could be. Mm-hmm. This will be a fun one to see net out for all of you guys. <laughs> All right, so if you want to talk to me about this show or any of the things that we talked about today, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Steven, where can people find you online? You can find me across all social media as either Peppermint Gentleman or Peppermint Gent on networks where I can't have the full name. <laughs> Jessica? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as J.M. Bailey Writes. John? You can find me on Twitter at Magic Bollocks. Elizabeth? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media or on Jessica's and my new podcast, United States of Women. Yay. That's right. Out every Tuesday, Tuesday at noon Arizona time. <laughs> uh, the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media. 
Check out our website, geeklymedia.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the network. Uh, please check out our Patreon page, where we have extra exclusive bonus material that boom, you boom, can boom, boom. <laughs> uh, As well as uh, special benefits that only go with certain tiers. Please rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you use so that we can spread the word of our network and help others find us. But until next time, this is the Geek's Watch on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.